0: chapter fourteen of entrapped by alice Mangold deal this librivox recording is in the public domain zoe slept until the sun flooded the portions of the big room it could reach through the persion, and the voices and laughter of the gay crowd of morning promenaders came floating upward mingled with the swish of the waves upon the beach she was awakened by the femme de chambre with a tray of coffee and rolls monsieur requested i would not awaken madame until ten she amiably said monsieur sends this note to madame she opened the shutters a little way and retired while zoe surprised unfolded the twisted half-sheet on the tray and read i'm going a short distance by train with someone. shall possibly not return till late make your own plans for the day please yourself and you will please me b h she smiled A scornful little smile i understand my dear b h she sneeringly told herself you are bitten with the gambling fever you are off to monte carlo to make ducks and drakes of your fortune she sprang out of bed and dressed as quickly as she could telling herself that she probably had the clue now to all that had puzzled her and her husband no doubt he had really meant what he said when they first arrived and he adjured her not to make acquaintances and give herself away to them his change of feeling and tactics arose from that awful gambling madness which was as incomprehensible to her as suicide itself as she determined that she had guessed aright a great pity arose within her for andrew she remembered the violence of his passion for her he was a man of passions the passion of play was now the demon which had replaced the wild adoration of herself he must be saved she told herself i have not influence enough alone others must help me as she completed her toilette, a smart tailor-made walking dress with toque to match she quickly made her plans she would follow her husband to monte carlo and ascertain how far the demon of play had him in its grip she drank her coffee toyed with a morsel of roll and went below few people were about in the big hotel most people breakfasted more or less early in their rooms and the long tables in the dining hall were being laid for the elaborate dejeuner the some one he has gone a short distance by train with is captain grant of course she was telling herself wondering with a dry little smile whether if that were not the case he would so easily have left her to make her own plans when she stopped short as she passed the centre grove of palms in the domed hall she came in sight of captain grant seated in close conversation with miss cartwright his back was towards her as he sat opposite the american lady at a small round table but as miss cartwright saw her and smilingly nodded he glanced over his shoulder then rose and stood gravely awaiting her to her idea he looked disturbed annoyed good morning she cried in as sprightly a tone as she could assume you are the very last person i expected to see this morning captain grant why do you ask that is why she gave him the note left by andrew trying to talk as usual to miss cartwright while he read it you don't understand she repeated as he gravely returned the slip why of course i thought you were the somebody who had carried off my husband before i was awake this morning who else could have done so when miss cartwright understood she somewhat tamely suggested that the vicomte de Bressis had cajoled mr hamilton into accompanying him somewhere or other but at that very moment monsieur de brecisse came up the steps of the hotel and seeing the group flung away his cigarette and came up to them he has slunk away to that awful place all alone thought zoe in dismay she had read of the fearful sums dissipated in the beautiful building among the palm groves by the deep blue sea and had no mind that her dead uncle's fortune should swell the list so she became diplomatic found out that none of the three miss cartwright de brcesse or grant had any particular engagements that day and suggested a visit to monte carlo de gresys assented eagerly and was in a feverish rapture of delight when he found that this lovely young english bride had never played for money in her life she should play for him such novices always won was his ecstatic thought he would stake all he dared and might recover his recent study losses if not win a little in addition grant was seemingly ready to accompany mrs hamilton anywhere at least he somewhat grimly assented to squire her in her husband's absence it was miss cartwright who was almost indignantly averse to the plan in such a place as that a married woman should have her husband to look after her she asserted her ruddy face deepening in colour only when captain grant said a few words in a low tone in her ear was she at all amenable after that she allowed herself to be persuaded and an hour later the four were journeying in the train that sped under the frowning rocks with the deep blue sea and its mimosa-covered slopes on their right and the sheer precipices overhanging them on their left zoe was impatient she was assured that at that very moment andrew was seated in one of those dreadful rooms watching his wild stakes raked in by the croupier andrew's stakes were sure to be wild extravagant mad as if she could pierce the rocks with her eyes and defying distance see him haggard staring livid at the tables when as they arrived captain grant suggested a stroll in the beautiful grounds where the sunshine glorified sea sky and shore and the basking flowers were masses of lovely colour among the aloes and ferns under the palms she frowned in dismay and de nodded and grinned at her approvingly mon ami You expect madame to be a nun not a daughter of our mother eve he exclaimed come madame i will procure our little passports we will visit the tables and presently zoe flushed with her inward fear as to how she would find her husband whether he would be like one of the horrible pitiable beings she remembered in some realistic picture of a gambling hell had passed the portals and was in the splendid warm palace of play she hardly noted the magnificence of draperies carpets decorations the mirrors the artistic beauty of the grand salons she saw the tables with a still eager crowd of gamblers about them alone she stood her eyes travelling eagerly from man to man expecting momentarily to recognise her husband but although there were several who were apparently english there was no one at either the roulette or the trente et quarante tables in the least resembling andrew will madame oblige me insinuatingly whispered the vicomte as she glanced blankly at him dazed with the to her astounding fact that andrew was not among the gamblers she saw that his white trembling hands were clutching notes in gold what do you mean she almost irritably asked put your stakes on the cloth for you in one of the other rooms not here there are no other tables said captain grant in a low tone You have seen all and enough too to swallow up almost any capital or fortune that enters those doors did she understand that he had read her thoughts and saw that her husband was not there she looked fiercely almost wildly into his eyes then turning away said something to the vicomte who turned with gestures of delight and led her to the trente et courante table where he elbowed a place for her among the line of those standing behind the seated players captain grant frowned and bit his lip starting as miss cartwright touched his arm and said you were quite right wherever the man may be at this moment he is not here what was the matter with her canadian friend he gave her a look of mingled horror and fear his firm lips twitched convulsively his square stern features were deadly pale i must tell you you must help me he whispered hoarsely then hardly hearing her stammered assent assuming her readiness to help him with a confidence which as she was a woman of the world she felt was a real tribute to her worth he laid his hand on her arm and piloted her to a distant deserted corner of the vast chamber where louis quinze settee was artfully placed by heavy velvet curtains which would deaden any low-pitched voices in their neighbourhood i have hinted much to you but i know you have no idea of what i am going to say he whispered leaning towards her after he had seated himself at her elbow prepare for a shock my dear friend i have lived all over the world and knew it before you were born or thought of i am not so easily shocked as you think she replied with an easy smile but as he spoke a few sentences in low distinct tones in her ear miss cartwright's placid expression fled she grew first crimson then pale impossible she faltered such outrageous infamy is inconceivable her prominent chin quivered her eyes stared into his with startled incredulity what i say is true he slowly earnestly said listen to what i mean to do to save further infamy your expression was right infamy it is for a few minutes he spoke calmly in measured accents to his friend and she leant back with closed eyelids listening Only the constant effort to swallow, the attempt to moisten her dry lips, and the quivering of those lids would have told an observer, who happened to know Miss Cartwright, that she was the prey of some vivid, if not intense, emotion. "'You will help me?' was Captain Grant's final sentence. Then Miss Cartwright, blinking, her lips twitching, turned to him, and, with a seemingly irresistible impulse, laid her gloved hand on his arm. "'I will swear it if you want me to,' she impulsively said good men are few but you are one of them thanks he returned and just then two persons man and woman left the table at the other end of the room and after looking about espied them and crossed the thick carpet they were zoe and the Vicomte. he looked gloom itself she seemed to be expostulating or apologising he has lost again poor devil in spite of his superstitions said grant don't pity him anything which will tear him from these terrible tables will be a signal mercy returned miss cartwright you don't look like breaking the bank either of you she added As zoe who looked less distraught having felt her own worries less since she had innocently aided in bringing trouble upon some one else seated herself at the american lady's left on the long settee it was not my fault i only did just what he told me but he has lost every farthing of what he gave me to stake as they call it she ruefully said it was horrid other people's stakes remained or they got paid a lot but every time i put his notes or gold on the places he told me to that awful rake came and clawed them in it was not my fault in any way now was it i told him what it would be and he would not believe me your fault child don't talk nonsense perhaps it will do him good a capital thing if it does exclaimed miss cartwright then she turned to grant who as he consulted his watch proposed luncheon in one of the hotel gardens before the favourite resort was crowded and briskly seconded him come along monsieur le vicomte while there's life there's hope is a good old saying said miss cartwright and in another minute zoe and grant were following the couple on their way to recruit at the restaurant chosen by the american heiress who meant to be giver of the feast the anxiety anticipation as she had staked for the vicomte then the suspense and repeated disappointments had turned zoe's thoughts into another channel as she felt the cool fresh air meeting them when they left the tropical atmosphere of the gambling-rooms she gave a deep sigh of relief wherever andrew might happen to be any place was better than this that was her principal thought and feeling you sigh asked her companion abruptly as they followed the other people who seemed arguing along the white pebbly path leading to their chosen restaurant I only sigh because i feel relieved not to find my husband here she candidly said with a kindly glance up into his eyes determined to carry out her resolve to speak the truth and nothing but the truth to this new friend in whom she instinctively trusted it is an awful place it is he dryly returned then he became silent he felt as one who might be positively forewarned of some terrific cataclysm but who dared not divulge his foreknowledge to others of the doomed if only if only this pure sweet young creature could know what he knew how puerile how banal and utterly trivial would all else seem to her the thought was sickening overwhelming for some few bad moments he told himself he could not go through the wretched farce of this luncheon which with his intention to begin her enlightenment as to the real facts of her life seemed in his eyes akin to the ironical breakfast served it appeared to him in cruel mockery to those who immediately afterwards were to be hanged by the neck until they were dead then he rallied himself for a coward i mean her future life to be as happy as i can make it sweet little soul he told himself it is as well she should rehearse being happy before she is overwhelmed by the knowledge of her position and with that he turned to her his hard face softened by a singularly sweet and tender smile it seems to me that the only real common sense is to enjoy our life whenever and however we can he brightly said forget this gambling pandemonium mrs hamilton thank you lucky stars that you have not found your husband among that miserable crowd and enjoy the exquisite loveliness of the place and the goods they provide the music the flowers his voice faltered she glanced at him curiously at that moment she felt as if she could have clasped his hand to her breast then kissed it in some instinctive gratitude i am sure you wish me well captain grant she slowly said and i know i am certain that you understand life a hundred times better than i do so i will take your advice i will forget everything if i can and try to enjoy to-day that's a brave girl said he encouragingly although such a pang seemed to pierce his heart that for the moment he could hardly see he stumbled against the lowest marble step of the hotel if only she knew he was thinking miserably If only poor sweet, lovely winning thing, it was not my hideous doom to have to tell her Chapter fourteen